Hello, and welcome to the Voices of Vision Leaders podcast. I'm your host, Lee Nasahi. Today, we'll be speaking with Sharon Jovanazzo, President of World Services for the Blind in Little Rock, Arkansas. Sharon, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you, Lee. It's an honor to be here today, and it, 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 despite all the craziness that's going on out there. Yeah, boy, you can say that again. <laughs> I tell you, everybody being locked up, and um, but I think I think they're finding out all the advantages that people who were blind had before this. You know, grocery delivery and ordering my stuff online wasn't a big deal, and now I'm teaching sighted people how to do that. So yeah, yeah, great. Yep, there there are some advantages. I, I think there's still some blind people learning how to do that though too. So maybe you can share some of your tips. Sure. Um, and, you know, yeah, there, there's a lot of gaps that we're finding right now, and those are definitely rising to the top, and we're trying to figure out how to, how to address that with the population that we have, not just with the people that we have here on campus, but overall. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, Sharon, why don't we start by you giving our listeners a, a quick overview of the services and programs World Services for the Blind offers? So we are, a our main focus is that we're a vocational training facility. And so with the main focus being that people come in under state services, so ultimately they can find a job. And so we have career tracks and career programs, stackable certificates that they can come in and choose the career of their choosing. We have all the wraparound blindness services, you know, all the blindness basic services, braille, assistive technology, orientation and mobility, techniques of daily living, that kind of stuff. But the main focus is on our vocational program. So we have several high tech um, career choices that people can choose from. Mm -hmm. uh, we have our information technology specialist program. We're the only program in the nation that is training certified credit counselors who are blind. And how we originally identified that program was because after the Workforce Innovation Opportunity Act was passed, it actually addresses credit scores um, and it being a, a barrier to keep people out of work. Um, the yeah. National Disability Institute had published a publication shortly before that that had said that the financial literacy of people with disabilities was much lower than that of the general population. So all the way around, it's a great employment opportunity, but you know, having, not being able to pass a background check was the skeleton in the closet at one time. Yeah. And no longer is that credit report is. And you know, not only that, but with a 70% unemployment rate, we have other things that we need to address with that. But we do all of the office basics. So Microsoft Office Suite, we do certification all the way up the certification level. Wow, we, have a, we have our assistive technology instructor program, which is great. I mean, as soon as we can uh, get people through that program, we have agencies, school districts, um, state agencies that are hiring uh, oh, people who are blind. So there's a, the, it, it, there's a tremendous need for that. And no matter whether you're a person who's totally blind or you have low vision, you get certifications in all of that adaptive software and you get a great exposure. And all of the programs that we offer on campus, we also offer online with the exception of massage therapy and our hospitality program. You gotta, those are definitely more hands-on kind of programs. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, I mean, the exciting part of this is, is that we 
a person can come in and they may want a piece and a part of one program and combine it with another. We're really excited about our brand new program that's coming out and that we've already launched and that's our, med our certified medical billing representative program. So wow. before they change the um, international classification of disease from the nine to the 10 version, there was already a 20 to 30% shortfall of medical billers out there. Now there's even more because people are retiring. They don't want to learn the new computer systems. They yeah, don't want yeah. to learn the new coding system. So we're very excited about the launch of that program. And we'll be able to work with hospitals nationwide in order to get people placed. So it's all about the employment. And we know for our VR partners and for the people that we jointly serve that it is always um, about getting the people the jobs. And so we can lower those statistics. And so our priority always is those employee or employer relationships mm -hmm. and where people have a place to go once they, once they leave WSB. So we harness local partnerships um, with employers here so people can have internship opportunities and they can build that resume. So then when they go back to their community, they can actually say, I have done this in the workplace. That's awesome. And, and I'm sure there are many of our member organizations that are looking to hire people with those kinds of backgrounds as well. So I hope everybody is listening and will reach out to World Services for your next employee. All right. So the $64 question, Sharon, how has COVID-19 impacted the way you're operating and has it changed service delivery? What's it look like there now? So, I mean, really we're kind of humdrum everyday business from what we were. We decided to keep our doors open because a great deal of our clientele that we have here would have ended up homeless. They came to us on an emergency admission or on a scholarship admission. And so I had to make a quick decision as to how we were gonna react to this one. It was very early on, it was within that very first week um, of when the news broke here in Arkansas. And so we, we took precautions. We locked the campus down. Um, students are not allowed to leave. We, we made isolation rooms and a wing just in case somebody came down with symptoms that we could immediately isolate them. But this being the end of our fifth week, we have had no outbreak and nobody with any symptoms. We've had a couple of other, other emergencies that's happened that we've been able to deal with here. One of them, we needed EMS in order to do that, but we did not transport anybody out. Uh, we did send some of our vocational instructors home and they've been delivering services through Zoom and oh, cool. through our learning management system. So, I mean, it's worked out well and it was less people that was coming because about 30% of my staff in my vocational programs are blind. And so happen to rely on public transportation or Uber in order to get to work. We, we want it to lessen the risk factors for our clients that we have here. So we're running at about half staff, but we're running 100% classes. And so everybody still has their schedule and they have to adhere to their schedule. That's we awesome. We're taking other precautions such as, you know, extra cleaning and what have you. But this is, the, it, it, this is really kind of a false positive environment for what the rest of the world is going through. And We've been fortunate. We have population density in our favor. You know, we're not in New York City where you have so many people in such a small area. 
we our population density in Arkansas is 56 people per square mile. So that definitely wow. in our favor all the way through. But you know, luckily we've seen people try to flatten the curve, and they've been really cooperative with that. And and, and our clients have too. And the sad part of that is, is they come here and they find independence many times for the first time in their life. And now mm -hmm. they've been on lockdown for five weeks. So we're throwing them a little party today. Oh, nice. They don't know that yet. So don't tell them. Okay. I won't. <laughs> yeah. So they haven't been too happy with, with not being able to, to go out on the town, huh? Well, you know, it's a restriction and it has been for all of us. And they understand that the rest of the nation and many cases, the rest of the world is going through this and, you know, if nothing else, it's a lesson in change and it's a lesson in how you adapt to situations. So I just think that this is yet another learning experience for people when they come in. And, you know, none of us knew how to handle a global pandemic. And mm -hmm. I didn't really think that we would see it going on this long. But, you know, I think that as organizations that serve people and, and the organizations, the Vision Serve Alliance organizations who's been out there serving people for so long that there'll be some processes that will be changed but it's still that human contact that is so important to the people that we serve that i know everybody will be glad to get lives back to normal to include here in little rocks so yeah 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 well i i'm in in some ways in many ways it, it, your your community is is lucky because you're on lockdown together as opposed to say me and my husband <laughs> we're getting tired of looking at each other <laughs> well you know it's probably a good thing Lee that you like each other we do yes we do right but you know liking only goes just so far right <laughs> uh, that's right and yeah, so and so we're reminded every day though that you know about what we're here for and it's always for the protection of those that we're serving. I mean, in this case, it becomes, and, and it always is, but this highlights it even more that we truly are our brother's keeper because right. it's not just the people who come here for the vocational programming. Once the college across the street closed down, there was two blind students that used the college dorms as their residence. All mm -hmm. of a sudden on April 6th, they said, you can't stay here anymore. Right. And we're that safety net. And we are in so many cases, a safety net especially for the Arkansas community. But I mean, this can go nationwide. And we're fortunate because we have some private funders that fund um, scholarship programs. So even if there's not services out there, we can help cover some of those operational costs. And it's not always about the money. It's about how we serve humanity. And, mm -hmm. you know, there's such a small percentage of people who actually get served, who, who actually get paid services. But you know, all of the agencies that are out there, they do this out of the kindness of their hearts and they have funders and they're able to provide these services. And so we're just proud to be a part of that community and for us to be able to do our little part here in our little corner of the world. Yeah, well, you, your, your little part goes a long way, Sharon, and um, have all kinds of respect for the, the great work you're doing. Now, you, know, you touched on this a little bit in something you said a few minutes ago, but I want to come back to it. So how do you, what do you see, or how do you see our field changing the way we provide services once we move into the new normal? Think things Boy. will be different? 
I don't know that they'll be that much different. I really don't because I think that the new normal is not going to change what's needed. And there's such a need out there. Um, I think that there's opportunities for us to look at certain parts of it. But I mean, all in all, this is largely a human contact field that we're in. And we still, you know, how are we going to deliver those services? We can't, we can't socially distance services for somebody who's just learning how to use a red and white cane for orientation and mobility or learning how to do their techniques of daily living so they can, you know, manage their household duties and take care of their children and what have you. So I don't think a lot on that side will change. I think what we're going to see in the new normal is one, it's going to be harder to put blind people to work. Um, we, in the first week that this broke, there was 70,000 unemployment claims in the United States. At the end of that week, it was 385,000. By the end of the next week, it was 3.3 million. The end of the next week was over six. And this week it's over 17 and a half million. Yeah. There's going to be so many people who's going to be um infused into the workforce that's going to be looking for work that you know many times our people are ones that was the last ones hired so they're going to be the first ones that are going to be gone or they're in a temp position right and they're not going to have the safety net of the services because once they have worked for 91 days vr closes their case and if they have a job they're going to have to prove that they don't have that job to go back to so there's going to be a long period of time so I think that the new normal will be, they'll be picking up a lot of pieces within the communities where our agencies are. Um, and to know that even within their communities that they're not alone, that we're all in this together um, and that there's resources that one agency may have that there's somebody that you can't serve in your community or they need, they need more services than what you can provide that's where we all come together and we come up with a solution for that. But I think the new normal is going to be is that we're going to see a lot more people who's going to have a lot more need for a couple of years. I mean, minorities and people who's in a minority population are always hit the hardest. Going back, I'm working on some grants for the COVID funding right now. And, you know, the best way to predict future behavior is by past behavior that's relevant. And so you go back and you look at the recession from 2008 and what happened to people with disabilities and what happened to minorities. And then you look at how poverty and disability all play hand in hand. We're going to see that. And that's going to be 10 times as worse during this one. I think the trajectory of how, how it went down so fast, I think we're, I think those that have means will recover just as fast for the people who don't have means, I think that trajectory will plateau. It will stay on that plateau for a long time before they start to see a way up. So how do we all come together? How do we all put our resources together in this new normal to serve our community as a whole? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I hear you. I think you're right. So um, Sharon, Vision Serve Alliance's collective voice is, is how we can strengthen the impact each of our individual members make you're known throughout our field as the queen of collaboration and I'm, I'm proud to be associated with you. You do awesome work with your sister organizations. 
Are there any collaboration opportunities with World Services for the Blind that you'd like to share with our listeners? So I'd love to, you know, one of the things, and, and this is on the service related side of it, that, you know, for a lot of years, the, the Vision Serve Alliance community has been picking up the pieces where state services aren't doing it. They're providing those blindness basics training courses, and they're doing a great job at that. Where we come in is we can plug a vocational component into that. It's kind of like a plug and play system. It's a facilitated learning curriculum where they can actually deliver the vocational programming we have here facilitated in their classroom and they can generate revenue by doing that. And I can help to build that model in collaboration with their state agency. And they own that at that point in time, they have our certified instructors. They have one person in a classroom that can serve several people at one time and they can serve five or six different vocational programs. Because like I said, we're gonna have people who's going to be out of work and there's gonna be a need for retraining to be able to focus in areas where we have partnerships and where we can get people back into the workforce. We don't need more statistics and that's one of the things that the agencies is really good at. So I'm always honored when I can bring on a sister agency because everybody knows where my heart is. And I came up and I was raised in the agencies, you know, at 31 years of age, <laughs> 20 years ago, I, um, <laughs> you know, I was one who started off on the manufacturing line, packaging gloves for Transportation Security Administration at wow. Central Association for the Blind in Utica, New York. And, you know, through those years, I've been able to say, my life has been so much better as a result of this. And who is the government to judge that? you know, that, uh, that jobs aren't considered real jobs just because there's a whole bunch of people who are working together who are blind that have a great job and a great facility and a great boss to work for. So, but if we can bridge that gap and we can get other people involved in the community as well as ones that may want to move out of, you know, programming, plug that in, but also make that a revenue stream and make it a profit center for that agency. And we've gotten really good at doing that. So I would love to talk with any agency um, that is interested in finding out more about those programs. Shameless plug, but I'll take it. Yeah, well, we'll continue it. Please tell us what your website is. Okay, so you can find us at WSBlind, like World Services for the Blind, dot um, O-R-G. And that explains all of our vocational programs. And if you'd like to know how you can plug any of those into your agency, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, um, Instagram, LinkedIn, you know, get out there, let's connect. And so, and so our website is WSBlind, like World Services for the Blind.org. And you can follow us on all the social media outlets. Sign up for our newsletter and our blog too. And we can come into your inbox every so often with great tips on how to social distance and um, what to do during these crazy times. Um, our brand new program that we have that is specific to stimulating your career, you can go out and you can check that out. Um, and, so, and so there's a bundle of services that's really inexpensive um, to be able to purchase through us if you're an individual who does not have an open VR case. And so I'd encourage everybody to go out and do that. And then, you know, some of the other partnerships, I'd like to highlight one, and that's Computers for the Blind. If you're, you know, if you have people who are 
sitting out there that doesn't have access to um, Facebook or Zoom or FaceTime or something where they can connect with their community as a whole. Um, and it's because they don't have resources in order to do that as in a computer. Um, Computers for the Blind is a great organization that you can get a very low cost computer for a person and, and you, can, you can get that placed with somebody so they can have a connection to the outside world. You know, we're social beings and being isolated and especially for so long um, is hard. And already as a person with a visual impairment, you may have experienced that before this happened. So we, we wanna make sure that we're checking on our folks that we serve and that they're doing okay and that we're checking. And Lee, you know, I have to thank you for for your words of encouragement from every, everything from straightening our crowns um, to just checking in to making sure that everybody's okay. I mean, we are all taking the blunt of this and none of us know how to handle this, but we do because we know why we're handling it. So thank you for your leadership in this and for making sure that we're all okay. Oh, thanks, Sharon. Oh, it's always a pleasure to talk with you, my friend. But the show is coming to an end. Oh, yeah. Thanks for joining us today, Sharon. It's well, thank awesome. you. We appreciate you. Likewise. So this is Lee Nasahi talking with Sharon Jovanazzo, president of World Services for the Blind. Learn more about their services and how you can get involved. One more plug by visiting their website at www.wsblind.org. Thank you all for tuning in. And as always, remember to be mission-driven, work together, and make a real impact. Until next time, this is the Voices of Vision Leaders podcast.